Welcome to the Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. Here's part of Nicholas's bio from his website. Internationally acclaimed harpist Nicholas Carter charms audiences with the magical sounds of the Paraguayan harp. His unique performances integrate an extensive repertoire of Latin American harp music with storytelling, simple observations, and reflections on culture, often with a hint of humor to create a warm and inviting experience for audiences. Nicholas is bilingual, bicultural musician, and theater artist. He was raised in Paraguay and Minnesota. His creations and performances transcend cultural borders, creating a peaceful, joyful, relaxing space of simplicity and unity. He's been performing, recording, composing harp music for more than 25 years, and has recorded over a dozen albums in the United States, Europe, South America as a solo artist and with Latin American and world music ensembles. Nicholas Carter learned to play the harp while growing up in Paraguay, a country with a distinguished tradition of harp music. He became a professional musician in the early 90s while living in Minnesota, and he travels often as a concert performer and master teacher at various harp festivals. He also holds an MFA in theater directing from the University of Minnesota and was a Fulbright scholar in France and Uruguay. He currently resides in New York. And I met Nicholas while I was working at the Somerset Folk Harp Festival, which takes place in Parsippany, New Jersey every July. This year's festival is online. Um, we do discuss Nicholas's storytelling workshop, which is very popular, and his new children's book, Hanish, The Story of the Harp, and how he hopes it will touch the hearts of folks. Nicholas's new album, Reflections, will be out later this year. It was recorded during the coronavirus lockdown. This interview is filled with so much hope. I hope you enjoy it. How have you been? I've been doing good. I just uh, took a few days uh, out of my uh, uh, cave, and I came up to, uh, a little bit north of New York to relax a little bit. Miss Minnesota at all, or not? Not really. Not really. I think that you know, coming to New York, what it's done is just broaden my horizon a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, I miss some of my friends that I played music with. You know. Oh, sure. It's not as easy to replace, you know, people that you played music with for 20 years. You know, it's not yeah. that you have a, a real strong relationship with. But new, from New York, I've really, more than just being an, from a New York, I've become from United States just by coming to New York. Hmm. Because it sort of forced me to just, just go all over the place performing. Meaning oh, yeah. all over the country, you know, from the West Coast. And, yeah, yeah. And all the way to Florida, which I had never done before. So that's the thing about New York, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I grew up um, in New Jersey, so I was kind of, mm -hmm. like, lucky to be so close to the city and the museums and, and all growing up, too. So, But you were in St. Paul? 
I was in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Oh, okay. Yes, Twin Cities. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, where all this crisis began. I know. I know. So I, you know, I know that was my fact when I was a student, you know, that target that were, uh, you know, the protests were taking place and all that stuff. That was the target that I used to go to all the time. Wow. That must when be... I was a student. So that was not far from a neighborhood that, I mean, that's, I know very well that's that whole street where the incident took place, Lake Street. And, right. I mean, Minneapolis, St. Paul is not such a big world. You know, a lot of, yeah. a lot of people even and. So yeah, no, it's uh, is uh, interesting times. Yeah, but, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Maybe this is the, the 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 call that was needed to further a more just world. You know, I hope so. Sometimes I hope it has I to hope go through, through through a phase of darkness to get back to the light. I hope so. I mean, I, I really hope that it'll, you know, things will, you know, people will be more aware of other people and you know, struggles that people are going through more, I hope. I really hope good comes out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I guess we have a very humble role as, as musicians, no? I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense that we are sort of considered just the extra of society, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Extra in the sense that... Um, that other things are going to be are going to be priority and essentials, you know what I mean? our work is not considered essential under the circumstances that we live now in the coronavirus. Isn't that interesting that we're not essential? The essential workers were the medical and the food providers, you know what I mean? And the musicians really just like uh, are not essential. And I I don't, I don't know if, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think that music really keeps things in balance too. You know, it really keeps people in in a good place and that's equally uh, important. Yeah. For the I, well-being of humanity. You know? I totally agree. You know, I think it's what the, people are longing the, for. Yeah. The cool thing about musicians is that they love that what they do so much is that regardless of what the circumstances are, they're going to keep on playing mm-hmm. and making music. And so you see all these expressions of people playing together, even though they're not in the same room, they're all in different <laughs> rooms and all these beautiful recordings come out and choirs and you name it. You yeah. Know? I say like the technology has had the, the the is the you know can unite people from all over without having to be in the same place but you get the the musical kind of like feel of people being together so there's there is a lot of resilience you know oh yeah it's the music's the soul you know that people i think it's the artists that are really the ones that can take whatever like they can take chaos and turn it into something beautiful you know no matter like where we are what what we're you know so exactly. maybe we are yeah. more essential than we think. <laughs> so Yeah, I think everybody is essential. Oh, my, yeah. My way of saying it, you know, sure, I, sure. I think everybody has, regardless of what your role is in this world, nobody is more important than anybody else in from the perspective of living on Earth, you know. Oh, yeah. Not based on how society and, and we've made up our definitions of status and who's more important than who and who has more influence than who, but at the experience level here, we're all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all having an experience. You know? So we have all something to contribute, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, musicians are not uh, probably the, we're not the majority. I would say we're a minority. Heart players, at least, I think we're a tremendous minority. Sure. Yeah. We're a very small little group of people. Mm. And our instrument is not as well 
known or shared or in the world like a piano player or a guitar player is, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think when people see it, they're drawn to it. Or when they hear it, they're drawn to it. You know, um, there's something about the harp and the feel of the harp and the sound of it and the strings that even like little, little kids, they see a harp and they're they immediately, you know, when they see a guitar, they don't do that. Or they see, you know, a piano, they don't do that, but they see a harp and it's just something that just draws them into it, that it's mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. really special. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's growing. I mean, there's more people who are interested in it and there's more people who are getting you know, opportunities to play, you know, like the public school program that Robin Gordon Cartier has, that she's got a lot of the kids like in East Orange, like playing the harp that it's changed mm-hmm. their lives, you know, mm-hmm. Somerset with the youth harp program, that's getting more and more people and, you know, well, but I think there's something really healing about it too. So. Absolutely. But Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It is an instrument of healing. Yeah. And your storytelling too is it's so important, um, and that's how you touch people, too. And I think that's how do you help people who are healing? We're in the hospital, but they look to the music. You know, um, Sunita was telling me about um, when she's in Israel and she's uh, working with in the hospital, and she goes in with her harp, and she'll she'll wind up playing like O'Carolan pieces or I- Irish music because there's no political. Um, there's nothing political behind it, but everybody loves it and it brings people together. Um, yeah. you know, and yeah, that, that's an interesting, that's an interesting point too about music, especially instrumental music, right? Hmm. Is that it, it, it's to go beyond, um, it's, it's to go beyond what is just, um, political or even religious or, you know, it goes beyond any ter- any type of cultural kind of like, I guess, limitation in our own human life, you know, because somehow we're, we're free of, of being associated with one, you know, one little group of people, one, one type of cultural, uh, um, viewpoint. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? It's sort of like independent of, and so it can flow for, it can flow anywhere doing its same its same work which is the one of just transmitting harmony basically yeah, yeah. you know i um, want to attach ourselves to an agenda a political agenda we want to attach ourselves to uh, uh i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but there's something that's beyond our differences hmm. that might be more important in my perspective right which is our unity really yeah our common unity i Absolutely. We can harp on our differences or we can harp on what can make us, you know, united or similar or the same. Yeah. And in that regards, we are really all one, you know, one big family. And the harp has that capacity of saying we are, we are together. We're on the same family, you know. Mm. Did you know what I'm saying? It's I do. Like, um, yeah. 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 And that's even- what Sunita's saying, Carlin, music doesn't fit into a political because Israel is divided in so many different uh, yeah. groups, human groups, you know, and so many different, some are more religious, some are more secular, some more, you know, and right. this is like independent of all that. She said everyone loves Ireland, so she would just play Irish music, and then it just would bring everyone out and calm everybody down, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
and she could see people like being more verbal and like children having, you know, easing their pain. And, and, and they've done studies on how playing music after surgeries, it helps with people. They don't need as much pain medication or they, you know, they heal faster. There's definitely something amazing about that. And then as a player, it levels the playing field too. It doesn't matter where you come from, who you are, but what can your fingers do? You know, nobody, nobody really cares about like how you look. If you can, if you're an amazing player, it doesn't matter. You know, just what do you, what is your feeling and your spirit that you bring into it? And what do your fingers do? So that's another way it kind of levels the playing field. Yeah, maybe we need more of that, but. I think so. And I think so this opportunity to learn, to share, share, share your information, to learn something new in life. Um, I just started teaching uh, actually liar to to uh, a woman who decided she wanted to learn to play the liar, hmm. and um, and I know that this process of learning the liar is way beyond uh, just learning to play the liar. It's really about you know what you're saying. It's it's about soothing her soul, hmm. and there's something so so great when you are have to work to master something with your fingers, you know. Um, you're mastering yourself in a way. And I think life should be about that in a way. What can you master yeah. in this lifetime that you have? What can you perfect? What can you do? Because the moment you master yourself, you're also, uh, in a way, mastering the environment around you, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, that changes and your I mindset. Think, I yeah. think that, yeah, music or any type of artistic expression, mastering any type of uh, expression that, that brings beauty mm-hmm. or and it brings a certain sense of it there's a there's a commitment that's important there's a discipline side to it that's important and then there is a, a kind of a spiritual soul side to it that is also very important i think that's a side mm-hmm. that um could be could be manifested even more in this world you know what i mean it just yeah. starts, it's almost like they say we vibrate in different, depending on what we're living, we're vibrating in different. Yeah. And, and so yeah. if we can elevate the vibration of humanity, activities yeah. that they do in many ways. And then the working together as a team, you know, which music is, has a lot of that. Theater has a lot of that. Bring together different people and creating something together as a team. A film does that mm. um, for a product, you know, a process. It brings together a product. That's a beautiful experience. Oh, it absolutely yeah. is. And to take it, I was uh, directing uh, Shakespeare um, with the high school students. So we were doing Much Ado About Nothing. And in the beginning, they were like, we can't do this. And then by the end, they were, they were just memorizing and getting in character. And then they were like nominated for, you know, um, awards for their work. And they were just like, we can't believe we did it. And we got to that end and I'm like, I have like, I know we worked really hard, but I'm like, I have no idea how we got there. You know what I mean? It, there's something that clicked and everybody came together to, to work, you know, when we're all like, we're going to do it. And it wasn't, there was never a point that we're like, we can't do this. So it, it was just, but by the end I was like, this is an amazing accomplishment for these students, you know, and for everybody involved to say, Oh wow, we really like worked so hard. We had our deadline we performed, you know, had the courage to get on stage and be vulnerable, you know, I mean, and as teen- teenagers to like be that vulnerable on stage, um, 
it, it was just, you know, that's, I think that that's why, that's one of the big reasons why I love, you know, working in music and theater. So mm-hmm. it's just to see that change and to see their confidence level and how they communicate with each other mm-hmm. and students. It's just beautiful. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, like, I guess, you know, my conclusion would be that <laughs> the arts are essential. They are. The arts are essential. The arts are essential. And I think that it, what has happened recently in a way shows us that we have not, you know, yet achieved um, uh, uh, enough. Uh, we haven't given enough importance to that soul element of the human being, satisfying that soul element. Mm. You know? um, one that will take a, a disastrous situation and make it into a beautiful uh, response. Um, um, I, I think that there's that, 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 that side of, of humanity that can develop more. And that, you know, that means really putting the arts into the schools as a big thing, equal to the sports, equal to the sciences, equal to the, you know, whatever else there is in school, equal. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying more, I'm saying equal. Yep. But in reality, it's sort of placed uh, on the sidelines, you know, when the theater and the, uh, has so much, even music has so much cognitive uh, power that helps your math and, and, and the theater has so much power that it also uh, increases your vocabulary and your writing skills can be associated with that as well as your reading skills. You're, you're certainly, you're starting to create meaning out of what, uh, out of, out of literature in a way that you wouldn't do it if you just read the text much to about nothing, you know, when you yeah. actually had to perform it, you'll start to really understand the text in a much deeper way. And that's what literature is about is really getting into what the text is, you know, has to reveal is layers and layers of meaning mm-hmm. and possibilities of interpretation. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, we, I think, you know, I think this is, this is the new, the new world has to come in this direction. I think a lot of people have been doing this already. I, yeah, I think but so. I mean, I really think there's, there's a lot of talent already uh, available. I don't think it's exploited. That's all. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, the Greeks believe taken advantage as it could be taken advantage. No, know? no. I mean, the Greeks used, they, they thought of music as equal, like you're saying with, with the sciences and, you know, math mm-hmm. and, and all too. And, you know, it's exhausting trying to argue that point over and over and over again to people. Yeah. You know? It's always an endless, an endless struggle to find. You know, I worked for arts organization here in New York, and all of a sudden they have funding. All of a sudden they don't have funding. You know, one year they you get a lot of contracts. Another year, it all kind of dies out. Oh, the budget. Uh, there's still a political thing going on. They haven't decided on the budget yet. So then, you know, then the next thing. So there's a lot of uncertainty. One year you're doing a great program. The next year says, oh, sorry, this year we're not going to do it. And so this is very inconsistent what can happen. I mean, when something happens, like what you've done is, you know, you know, because you've been there, Mm -hmm. you know, but it it seems like um, a lot of times they want the scientific proof that the arts really have an effect on student. And I just always keep saying nobody measures the joy and happiness of students in their education. Mm. Oh, they measure their tests what results the test has, but they're not measuring the level of joy and, and self-confident who measures the, their, their level of self-confidence. There's so many measurements that are, that you can't really like pin them down oh, sure. in an arts education, you know, 
but they're like fundamental. Mm-hmm. If a student is happy going to school and excited, yeah. I mean, you know, when I've gone to the storytelling theater program that I've done for years in the schools and you walk into the classroom and you have that two hour session once a week with the students, the students jump out of their seats with joy because mm-hmm. you're coming to do this storytelling theater activity in the classroom. Yeah, sure. It's all of a sudden there's this excitement. How important is that for, for life to have something that makes you happy Yeah, for, for real makes you happy, you Absolutely. know? And I think the arts do that at a level that maybe some other activities will not, you know, uh, well, every activity can give you that same joy. I think every activity should be measured in that capacity of producing that type of joy and excitement mm. with students, even in science or math or, or, you know, writing or sports. No? Yeah. I, I, there's a, and there's a discipline in the arts too, you know, whether you're a painter or, you, you know, you're an instrumentalist or, you know, an actor, there is that discipline. Um, and I think that teamwork too is a big, big deal. But, you know, I've done these uh, festivals of children from different schools coming to perform together in one festival. Mm. And you see these different performances. There's everybody's sort of, there's always this side that is my performance better than the other one or whatever, that little competitive side, which sport really mm. is based on. It's, it's like one team winning, another team losing. And these arts activity is not about one winner, one loser, really, type of activity. It doesn't have that competitive mm. edge. It, it can be more of an exchange of ideas and perspectives and, and sounds and, and images. Uh, uh, and in that way, it is more a world, it is more a world of harmony, bringing harmony mm. and understanding versus one team. You know, sports have this little edgy thing that they can erupt into violence because it's competitions. I got to win. Right. Well, you know, and in reality, I'll, you know, I always told to my son who played soccer big time is that the other team is your really cooperator. Hmm. You wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have a game unless you had an opponent and the, the game doesn't become interesting unless the opponent gives you a hard time. It makes it difficult for you to achieve. So in reality, it is cooperation, mm-hmm. but it's but it's sometimes set up as war. You know, one team versus the other, right? Versus you know, understanding that really this team is giving me the opportunity to play and be my best right. in this moment. Yeah, exactly. That's the reality of the sport. Yeah, but um, I guess it's where your mental state is at, or you know, in regards to how you see it. But the arts, in that regards, are about bringing more harmony. Mm-hmm. Than, than violence or competition, you know? Yeah, I mean, but you still look uh, to players who are better than you to inspire you, you know? Maybe, absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah. So for that inspiration. So you want to always achieve more. Absolutely. You want the highest, the highest, you know, benchmark of performance so that, yeah. 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 An editorial comment based on the days that we are, our reaction to what's going on and how we see the arts. Yeah, being maybe a a a, a way to deal with this type also, but also a way to create a society, I guess, that has more more things of harmony happening and being created. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I saw the um, the First Nation dancers in um, Minneapolis. They were like just dancing this healing dance. And, and chanting, which was so beautiful, like had me in tears. But it was just like that was their 
their answer to you know the pain was music and dance yeah that was absolutely awesome and you know minneapolis st paul is a very artistic uh kind of urban center in the country i mean they've got They've got some, you know, there's more theaters per capita than any other place in the country, I think. And there's uh, incredible music. And the community has always, uh, always given um, importance to the arts. There's some major big artistic institutions there, theatrical and musical. Um, but there is a divide, though. I got to admit, I was, I was part of that city. And there's a big divide of those who have more opportunities and those who have less opportunities for the arts. And there are schools and there are schools, you know. Uh, it's a segregated society. As much as it is considered a very liberal, progressive cities, you know, I, I remember back in the 90s, I would go perform in certain schools that were exclusively African-American and Native American in certain neighborhoods of town. There's some neighborhoods that all, the schools are just all African-American kids. Um, and so, yeah, you have a big divide going on. The suburbs are mostly, you know, white American. Um, and, you know, between reality and what is being said as progressive, and eh, it's two different, there are two different stories, and I, I, is what I see. There is a little bit of a, uh, That's all. That's that's my commentary based on what I saw when I when I was uh, living there. I guess you know the way I see it too is that you know they've got a nice big pie there because there's a lot of wealth in the Twin Cities, and um, they kind of divided that little pie up. And uh, uh, some people get a bigger piece, some people get a smaller piece, you know. So I understand that feeling of, uh, of um, sure, we're going to give you enough of, of the pie to keep you happy for, you know, but I see that it, how that is sort of also very uh, keeping you in your little place, you know, you, you just right there, that type, of th- that type of thing going on, you know. Yeah, there's just... But, there's great, there's great artistic expression going on there. So, uh, and it's, um, there's a lot of great people in Minnesota, a lot of great people that I met, a lot of loving people. So I think the news has to also spread all the good things that are happening. The news loves to also, I guess, give us the, the dirty side of, of what's happening, the, the worst side of it. We almost have to see the other side to compensate for what has been, you know, seen as negative. Yeah. Destructive. We have to see all the positive reactions of the community and people getting together, religious groups joining forces together to pray. Um, um, all these different expressions, like the dancers. Uh, yeah. And yeah, things can always be better. You can make a choice every day to make something better. Mm-hmm do something better than what you did yesterday or, or you, you, I mean, a new day is a new day. Yep. You know, there's nothing that can't say that you can't change this world. This world can change completely from, from one day to another, from one year to another. And it's happening in many ways. Mm-hmm. It's happening. It's absolutely changing. 
but it will it can't change completely to a much better world than what it, than what we've we start to accept as a world today you know what i mean yeah it could be that we could return to a day that we don't have to go through such a thorough checkup to go through the through the airport why because there's no there's not going to be any reason for terrorism in the world anymore we don't have to accept that that is going to be the way we have to live the rest of our lives right you know you know it could it could be that the, you know we live in a world where there is not going to be uh, allowed anymore uh, sort of chemical toxins on the earth for agriculture and you can't have this massive agriculture that you have now it's going to have to become more organic and small scale and more administered in a, in a smaller scale mm. and then it, it could change from one day to another all of a sudden it's yeah. all it's over you know mm-hmm. yeah why not yeah well even now like people are having gardens in their yards now and then people well, are showing you that, that yeah it's showing that people are, are going into this yeah everybody could have a little garden mm-hmm. you see that if you plant your own food the food knows what you need more best because you actually have a relationship with the earth and the food you know right so it could be that we we uh, learn so many new things yeah. about how to live a healthier life. So even when this coronavirus kind of comes along, everybody is in a healthier healthier situation. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that uh, during this coronavirus time, um, I haven't been bored. I mean, I miss going out and being with people. Honestly, mm-hmm. that that is that is a gift of life that I do miss. I miss. I, you know, like my tours for the summer, I've been, I was planning to travel all over and that's all pretty much basically canceled. Uh, so, um, still waiting to see if September is going to work out. I don't know what, what's up, but, uh, Seattle symposium also is going online. So they're not doing it in October. So that kind of changes my life a lot because I've been on the road almost three, four last year, almost six months of the year. This year, probably possibly nothing. Mm. Uh, the way things are right now, but you don't get bored if you have a, a, a musical instrument because uh, uh, it's just there's so much that you can do. Um, and so, like I, for example, had time to record an album. Oh wow! I haven't had time to do. Oh, you need. So yeah, it's recorded at home. Okay. But um, I, you know, and I was in a hurry to get it done because I thought this coronavirus thing was going to be done by. By April and May was going to start to become back normal. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, I got to do this now this month because this is the time I got. You wow. know? <laughs> but, and I've, I've heard of some other musicians uh, that, that say, yeah, I'm having a ball. I just, mm. I'm just playing every day my guitar or, you know. Yeah. Do you, know, do you, do you know when you're going to release your album or you got to mix it still? Uh, and Yeah, no, soon. Now in July, possibly, or oh. end of June. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a name for yeah. it or? Yeah, it's called Reflections. Yeah, well, let me know when it's coming out. I'd love to get a copy of it. And is it um, songs that you wrote, or are you? All music, yes, all original music. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and it's stuff that I've collected throughout the years. You know, I would say from songs that I've started to collect since 2014 on. So it's been six years collecting songs. Wow. You know, think about recording in your at your home. Now, I mean, you've got equipment and you've got computer programs that allow you to do this. It's no problem, you know. You can get a decent sound, but it's just being in a relaxed place when you record is so important. Yeah. And uh, many times when you go to a studio, you're under so much pressure. That. And you also have a book coming out. Uh, well, I, I just published, I self-published a book called Hanish, the Story of the Harp. 
And um, it's, it's a story about the origin of the harp of a little boy who was very, uh, he was a very sensitive boy who loved sounds. He loved the, the sounds of nature. And his initiation as a hunter came about to his distress because he didn't really want to go hunting. He didn't like to see the dead animals. But he had to follow the sort of ritual of going with his father and brothers to hunt. Um, and in this hunting expedition, because the bows uh, are different sizes, he actually is, again, always paying attention to the sounds, which is sort of his nature. And he hears that each different pluck of each bow has a different sound based on the length of the string. And he has a dream about this, and he realizes it's uh, there's seven different sounds and seven different colors and seven different lengths, and that's the diatonic scale. He sees it as the colors of the rainbow, mm. which are seven colors, which, as you know, those are not... Uh, I'm giving you just some of my insights into the story. Those are not things a human has created, right? Mm. Seven colors of the rainbow is part of um, right. nature. Right, right. And the seven sounds is, is an arrangement of sounds, but the sounds already exist in many ways. We, mm. we just put them together, and what is there? There's a harmonious, you know, organizations of sound that, cre- that has a whole logic of itself, a whole world of itself, the scale. You know? Right, right. So that's where he gets the idea of making the first harp. And that's, that's sort of his story, you know. Uh, and then he passes it on. And, uh, so that's kind of what I, I mean, I, I'm telling you as a, as, a, as a condensed version, just to give you what the plot kind of is about. But I've been telling this story for since, I think 2010 or before 2010. I started, I made up the story when I had to do a workshop at a kindergarten class. Hmm. And, uh, and then I, I just told the story. I didn't actually play along with it. And then little by little, I started incorporating, uh, I had accompanied a lot of people telling stories with using the harp as a background. And then eventually I started, uh, to do my own storytelling while playing the harp at the same time. Mm. And, uh, and that became just, it's just become one of my, my, my things when I go into the schools. And since I do that a lot in New York city, I, I have visited hundreds of schools in New York City, mm. and especially pre-K, kindergarten, and first grade has been sort of what has been my specialty, kind of like Mr. Rogers kind of thing. Right, that's great. Uh, and uh, I tell the story after I had the kids dancing and singing, so they were a little bit wild up, and so I calmed them down with the story, and they they love it. The kids love the story. I mean, they love it, and so I. I knew at some point that I needed to make this into an illustrated storybook. And then the just pieces started to come together, mm. uh, finding somebody to illustrate. And then uh, working with my daughter, who's really pretty nit- nit- pretty good writer uh, and had the skills to translate what I would do orally into something that needed to be on a page. And, and since it's going next to images, it needs to be, yeah. It needs a different language and a different style. Uh, and so, and it needs to leave a little more things open to interpretation by people versus giving it all out like a storyteller. I embellish it with some of my own little mm. adaptations to what is happening in the moment with the kids. And based on, I, I change the story length based if the kids can take so much. It depends. <laughs> but so, 
Yeah, this so this team little effort, uh, we really, you know, finally got it uh, into a book, which is a lot of work. I mean, it's amazing how much time we spent, um, you know, reviewing and reviewing and reviewing and correcting, and then you know, registering it uh, uh, with copyright, and then you have to register for public libraries, and I mean, it's nonstop, mm-hmm. one thing after another. I mean, so something very simple as is twenty six pages or so of illustrated book, which is a kind of book that you can read before a kid goes to bed. You don't want to, you know, it's that type of story mm. with a nice sweet ending to it. And I think the, the for me, the story is, uh, it's what being a hard player is about in many ways. What is our role? Uh, and it's about sharing, sharing music and you share for all kinds of people and all kinds of situations. And that's what it's about, you know, it's just touching the heart yeah. of folks, you know. And I think it, and it also, the character that is very sense, he's very sensitive, he's, he's delicate, um, in contrast to a world that's more macho, violent, like the father and the hunter type of thing. You're going to become a hunter too, my son, you know, this contrast between somebody who's more delicate. Um, you know, that's sort of what the artist in a way is, it's sort of, it's the opposite of a hunter, of, of, but at the same time, um, interestingly enough, the idea of the of the heart coming from the mm. bow idea—that's what they made. That's what the urgency was to make strings, right. was to make them for bows, you know, to hunt, yeah. and then out of that comes something that's the opposite. Have you ever wanted to learn how to play the harp or find out more about the instrument? Well, this year marks the 20th anniversary of the Somerset Folk Harp Festival. The festival will take place online, so no matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to take workshops and listen to the concerts, meet the harp makers, and find out more about the harpists from around the world. Celtic, jazz, classical, electric harp, Paraguayan harp, and more. So check out the festival at Somerset Harp. Fest.com. That's Somerset, S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T. Hope to see you there. Well, in that storytelling workshop for Somerset, I have the, um, I did, I did my take on, on how I do the story. And all the different things that I do musically in relationship to the story. And I sort of elaborate on different ideas that I have in terms of storytelling and, and you and, and the harp and playing the harp, Mm. uh, with using that as my example. Excellent. So yeah, that will be available in the summer set and I'm kind of saving it for the, some, I'm not, I don't have it really public. I'm saving it for that summer set so that, you know, well, maybe hopefully that would attract people. Yeah, I think it definitely see that, will. You know, that's been, it's always been a very uh, popular workshop uh, in Somerset and, and a very enjoyable one mm. for a lot of people because regardless of what level of harp playing you are, you can create some type of harp sound to accompany a story. You don't, you know, you don't need to be an expert in the harp, um, especially if you accompany somebody else when they're telling the story. Sure. Uh, but the heart does create an ambiance. The, the, the resonance of, of the heart creates this beautiful ambiance that 
seduces you, bring, could bring you really into the story at another level. Because you, mm. you know how music does underscore so much oh, content. Sure. Yeah. So that it's, it's the heart it has a, the possibility of not uh, being on top of the storyteller. You know, the storyteller can be pretty soft and the heart can be still in the background, not over, overpowering the storyteller, you know. Mm. Well, I mean, in terms of my relationship with Somerset, I uh, joined Somerset, I guess, back when it was Jerry's uh, days in 2005. And um, I've almost, you know, a few years I've been abroad and I, I, I didn't come back to Somerset, but I'm, I'm, I've been pretty consistently um, a part of Somerset since 2005. Hmm. Um, so it's been a long while now. It's been almost 15 years. Wow. Um, and yeah, um, I think it's a great gathering. It's, it's, as far as I know, it's probably one of the biggest folk harp gatherings in, in the planet Earth. Hmm. I don't know if there's a bigger folk harp gathering. Not that I know of. I mean, at least no. in, in, you know, in... Gathering in, in that style, you know, with, with workshops. I mean, there might be events uh, of, of folk harp gatherings in Latin America that bring a lot of people, but it's mostly concerts and things like that. But not necessarily what, what what Somerset does, which is workshops for people and heart vendors and things like that. So it's one of a kind in uh, in terms of its size, in terms of all what it has to offer. I mean, it offers a, a great so much variety. I mean, it's incredible, it really is. Um, so yeah, it's great to be a part of that uh, of that heart community. Um, is the people that go uh, go there are also so beautiful people, uh, such sweet souls, you know. So you you are really bathed in in a lot of harmony and a lot of beauty and a lot of sweetness. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's great. Uh, I, you know, my case is um, I play this harp I have here in the background is a Paraguayan harp, right? It's not a Celtic harp, and we Latin American harp players are are pretty much um, a real minority already within the harp world because. I mean, it's a style of instrument that has differences in the way we play than the Celtic tradition or the classical tradition. Um, and so what I have to offer to people is really from a different world in many ways. It's basically the Latin American world. And a lot of people really enjoy it because it can give them a different um, kind of rhythmic style of music that will enrich their repertoire Um it might seem a little challenging uh, because it's different, but not because it's really that difficult. It's really just, it looks complicated for a lot of people, but in reality, it's just, you have to almost come in and immerse yourself a little bit into it to get in. And I think a lot of people can spice up their repertoire and, and, and have something to play that has a little bit of the Latin world in it that I think brings a lot of joy. It has Latin American people and music bring joy to the world. Yeah, and That's what, that's what, uh, even our sad songs bring joy, you know, but an Irish sad song will bring tears. I mean, yeah. Honestly, it's sad. They're sad, you know. Ours can actually bring joy mm. and you still get up and dance to them. So that's the best, I think, the side of Latin American music that I try to share with people. It's a it's, it's different mindset, you know, and so if you want to expand ways in which we can think about the heart uh, and ways we think about rhythm and how we learn, uh, this is a these are great introductory courses. Um, some songs are very popular already. 
in the world and the planet. And so many of the work songs that I teach in my workshops are well-known melodies as well. You know, Guantanamera and El Condor Pasa, you know, very popular songs. Um, but yes, the, the, this is a thing that, you know, I, we, we have very few people that play Latin American harps. So to go to the more in-depth, you know, play with long fingernails like we play and have the spacing that we have and our colors are reversed, you know, and, and then the tension of our strings are different. I mean, so, it, yeah, we have some type of limitation as well hmm. in terms of trying to introduce our music to, to Celtic players. But um, what I've seen happening is that um, some people um, understand this idea that, okay, take what Nicholas has to offer and make it your own. And you know who has done that really well and has taken a hun- lots of my repertoire and actually wrote, written the music I work with her is uh, Sharon. We created a book called Melodias de Larpa, Sharon Thurmolin. Oh, sure, yeah. And she's, a, she's a Celtic harp player that plays in her harp mm. and has taken many of these Latin style uh, music and just adapted them to her, her uh, Celtic style of playing. Mm. Though she's taken many of the Latin motifs and the rhythms, and but she's sort of also blended with maybe simplifying some of the some of the styles of playing where you don't have fingernails. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's incorporating, she plays these melodies now as she, she goes out to gig with uh, mm. David. They play all, many of these Latin American melodies. And the reason is, is, is that what I'm saying, it's just all of a sudden you want to pick up people up and, and give them a little more joy and, mm-hmm. and not make them fall asleep, so to speak, with mm-hmm. the heart. That's what we, that's what the Latin American heart music does. Well, you know, there's so many different styles even within the Latin American world of playing. But we use the nails, though, the nails with mm. the pad right. of the fingers. You know, look at my thumbnails. Mm. You see here? Yeah, right, it's right. pretty big. Yeah. Uh, but then we bend our thumb backwards when we play instead okay. of keeping it like this or something like that. We do it like we, we just, this, my thumb is already completely like, you know, mm. like curved like this backwards. And so that, that gives you a big reach. We, and we have a lot of positions where we actually have to play between the, this sort of octave kind of plane of the hand. It's sort of very different. There's a lot of cookie cutter positions mm. and patterns. We think in terms of patterns um, that we use for playing. And then we, we, we actually learn by ear. I learned by ear. I never, um, and then I studied piano, but I never was able to um, get into the reading, the reading part of music. It just didn't flow with me. You know, I, I was a folk musician to, to begin with, and that's, that was it. Um, and so um, we play by ear. So then there's, there's room for improvisation in what we do. Sometimes you don't imp- you improvise in the way you arrange the song. You don't play it exactly the same way. Mm. You change the way you do the arpeggios that accompany it or the bass pattern. You, you kind of just like... Uh, maybe the melody is exactly the same, but not the accompaniment. Or maybe the style which you play the melody changes from version to version. At least that's how I play a lot. Um, and then maybe some songs have room for improvisation within. Within You, you add a little improvisation within the melody that you already have. So, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, flexibility in the style of, of, of how we play. Um, and I think it's great to have that kind of open flexibility because it relieves you from the pressure of having to hit every note hmm. in uh, in the right place. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like when yeah, you yeah. have to play a very precise thing, that's almost harder than if you don't play it very precisely. Sure. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have to, you can't really 
air on this melody because everybody knows this melody. You know what I mean? Right. But when you're, you know, when you're playing in the, in pattern way, you can kind of like, even if you have a little mistake, you can kind of just mm. zoom through it and it doesn't really look like a mistake, you know? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. But you're making it your own with your improvisation and, and all, uh, how yeah. did you come to the harp? Well, I, I grew up in Paraguay. Um, I, I, I was born in Minnesota, but I was six months when my parents went to work in Paraguay and um, they were missionaries there. And there's just a lot of music in, in my neighborhood. I mean, there was a harp player uh, at my church and there was uh, somebody who made harps kind of not a few blocks from where I lived. And there were a lot of musicians down the street where I lived and uh, you heard the harp music everywhere on the radio you know, my dad bought records and, uh, you know, I just heard it. It was part of the culture. Uh, and these harp players, I guess in the fifth, late fifties and early sixties were quite the hit in, in Western Europe. Um, and so they became like, you know, the voices of Paraguay, I guess, you know, singing groups, uh, harp guitar groups with voices and dancers and stuff like that. And so that was very, it was very noticeable that growing up in Paraguay, you had all these successful musicians mm. of folk music uh, traveling around the world, you know. And uh, so, you know, the day came when my mom offered, who wants to learn to play the harp? Because we're in Paraguay, why not, you mm. know? Um, and I'm the one that's, out of the three kids, I was the one that raised my hand that day. And, and so I got the harp lessons, you know. Wow. That's how I got started. You know? in, in Paraguay, it's, it's more, um, they're more, like men who play the harp than women, or is that? Well, I would say that right now it's pretty balanced. I think I hear that there's quite a bit of, 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 of women, but back in the days, it was it was a male instrument. Um, yeah, musician males were uh, uh, were musicians basically dominantly the musicians, and, and the harp harp playing comes from a male tradition in Paraguay. Hmm. Um, so when I looked up to all the big performers. You know, they were majority male. Um, I would say that right now, things have, just the world has changed, you know, so much. And I think that it's no longer dominated just by men. I think that women are equally uh, spending time learning to play the harp Hmm. as well, you know. Yeah. So I think it's changed. I don't think it's changed here in North America. No, not not as much though. Yeah, it is majority of of women that play the the harp. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's starting to turn a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I, I heard uh, people tell me here in the states that their son was interested in learning to play the harp, but it, it, he thought it was a girl instrument, so he didn't want to get mm. into it. You know? So she was kind of happy to see a guy playing right. the harp. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, we, you know, I do feel like we're just a minority of a minority of a minority. I mean, we're just really in the fringe of the fringe of the fringe mm. being male playing a Latin American harp in the United States. You know, it's like, how, how could you, how more could you be on the edge? You know, <laughs> right. yeah, uh, yeah. so, uh, but I always tell people that when I was a kid to see somebody playing the harp was to see a macho guy playing. You know, mm. I'm, I'm joking about the macho, but I'm just saying it was a manly thing. It was not, you know, oh, a female type of instrument because that's what people see when they see here. There's an association with, with, with being a woman and playing the harp, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a, an association, especially, you know, in, in North America that it's a delicate 
beautiful angelic kind of a instrument but you know when i hear like south american harp i just like love it it's just like so passionate and just you know it's almost like the opposite in a way i mean just from a basic standpoint obviously both can the paraguayan harp can be you know just as soft and beautiful and and you know angelic and the north you know the celtic harp can be just as like you know fierce and you know depending on the on the you know who's playing it of course but no i love the paraguayan harp and you know i love your playing you know um it's just and you're just amazing to watch on stage because of your your you know the whole theater and the storytelling that you bring i thought at some point in life that i was going to dedicate myself to the theater so i spent eight years at the (laughs) university of minnesota studying theater and i have given a lot of my life to the theater um but, you know, when you get an MFA, you're being trained to to mindset that you're going to go into the professional world of theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my case, uh, I ended up much more in a educational side of theater and an education for children. Mm-hmm. And uh, m- music sort of, um, the heart playing became um, just a little dom- more dominant uh, financial um uh, job. Um, somehow, you know, you know how the theater is. I, I started having kids very young. I had, I had three kids. They're all grown. My daughter's already in their thirties, mm. early or 29, 30. I'm already losing track 29 already, but I know getting mm. into, but anyways, it's like, um, I realized when I was, um, raising my kids that if I was going to be in the theater, I would have spent so many hours, so many hours Yeah, yeah. locked up and the pay doesn't really correspond sometime for the amount of hours. Um, but that's what it takes to do theater. And that's a sacrifice that you have to make in many ways versus the music was like such a nice job. You just went for an hour you got paid really well. You were back home. And that was it. You know, you had all this other hour to take care of the kids, um, and deal with the, the, what they needed. And so that's how I ended up becoming a heart player more than a theatrical person. Um, by need and by circumstances, and then it became my passion as well, because the more time you spend playing, the easier it is to play, the more fun it is to play, the more creative you start to become. Um, and you just, you know, once you get into it, you get into it, you know, and that's what happened to me. I just got into it more and more and more and more and more, you know, and the other, the theater side, which was what I originally was thinking was going to be my dominant side, became side, 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 sideline, you know, and then it became... I became involved in kind of this program of education and I really got into that big time. Uh, I, I, I saw it as one of those activities and when we're talking about the importance of the arts, I saw, well, maybe my mission is to really work in this, in this program that can really help develop children because that's the, the they are our future. So I got highly involved with that as well. Um, almost putting the harp aside for a couple of years, but then uh, next thing I know, I'm back into the harp. I mean, destiny just brings me back to mm. to playing, and uh, and uh, and sometimes it's just the need also that brings me back to to playing more and more and more and more and more and more. You know, because last year I was on the road six months. Wow. So. Um, I guess, you know, I'm just grateful for being able to do everything I can do. You know, um, um, I love the harp and I love playing it. So I'll keep doing it as much as I can. Yeah. Do, do you feel like you're an ambassador for the Paraguayan harp? I mean, do I mean, or do you, 
I mean, well, I think yeah, an ambassador. Yes. Um, nobody knows very much about Paraguay. Mm. And so every time you, you I play, I do a, an introduction to my experiences growing up in Paraguay as part of the musical journey that I, mm. I share. So I do bring people into a different world and into a different culture. And I do, it's, it is a bridging of two different worlds, the Northern and the Southern hemisphere, because I'm also from here and I have fa- I, I have my roots also in the United States. The fact that I am from here gives me that, I guess that extra edge of being able to bring people f- into the Paraguayan world mm. in a, in a more powerful way, I think, than if I was just from Paraguay, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Because there's something that I know how to speak to the American audience. I know their sense of humor. I understand their sense of humor. Mm. Um, I understand the things that they relate to that I think will connect best. So yes, it is an ambassador. Um, but in a, in a way, you know, I think it's, it's, it's something from Latin America that is beautiful and wonderful. And so what brings people to love some, somebody else mm-hmm. is what do they do that's beautiful and wonderful? And this is what the Paraguayans their history as a group of human people, they gave a lot of importance to doing this, playing the harp. I mean, generations and generations of families and musicians, you know, I mean, it's so recent that we have now the nylon string harp. If you think about it in the history of the harp, sure. you know, it was in, in the 19, uh, 1930s or so that they started changing the, they changed the neck of the harp and it became the Paraguayan harp, you know, it used to look much more like a Venezuelan harp, the Paraguayan harp. Oh, okay. Same type of look it had. Mm. Very big body, just the strings on the side, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a harp player who plays in Las Vegas who said, yeah, my uncles used to play that type of harp. Wow. You know, so that's not too long ago, you know, that this has evolved. So there's there's a, a society, a, a, a family of people, and I would say a family, mm. that have devoted energy, enthusiasm, love, passion to developing this art this instrument. So I'm sharing that, that love, that passion, that excitement from that group of people to this group of people here. Uh, it, it's bringing the best from Paraguay to the United States. You know? Yeah. Um, it moves me a little bit to say that, but I know that my dad is from Minnesota and he was given, you know, the opportunity to share what he had developed and, and uh, learned in the United States with people in Paraguay. He's a very loved, uh, uh, my dad and my mom, very loved for the work they did as social workers in Paraguay for, you know, over 35 years, 40 years working there. My dad has retired there. So their sharing in Paraguay was bringing, I would say, some of the better things of the United States mm. because it wasn't about, you know, bringing, uh, sharing uh, our military capability with, with it. No, it was about sharing our social work and sharing our sense of developing community and sharing a sense of educating and, and raising self-esteem of youth and teaching values for a better community. You know what I mean? Those are all the good, 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 good values of American society that were shared throughout my dad's work. Um, and that was sponsored by churches in the United States. That meant that every people that's giving an offering every Sunday at a little church in the middle of Kansas or in the middle of Indiana, or you name it, you know, wherever there was all these disciples of Christ Church were, they were supporting what my dad was doing for a group of people that they had no idea about. They didn't know who my, my, my dad was serving or who he was working for, you know, but they gave out of their heart. 
So it's only fair that something has to come back from that part of the world to share the same type of love, you know? Yeah. I'm sorry to cry, no, but no, I'm I, I, I... my life in a way, you know what I mean? It's in many ways it's the it's the purpose of my life, you know. So We want to bring what's the best in all of us, you know. And I think, you know, you can hear, you can hear a lot of negative stories of anywhere in the world because that's what's going to make the news. We've talked about this already. So we should hear the stories of, of, of the people that make good news, you know. And I think the harp is that story. Um, as I say, it's like a gem. And yeah, that's been my, that's why I think I've had to do this job in many ways. I could have done a lot of other things in life, but somehow I do believe that, you know, from above you're guided, you know, it's not just to do whatever you need to do in life, you know? Yeah. And and you have to give the voice to people who, you know, like you said, you can communicate that to people so beautifully you know, through your music and your stories that that's, that says, you know, like you said, here's the best of, of us, you know, the best of, uh, you know, the United States in, into Paraguay, the best of Paraguay into the world, you know, where, like you said, I mean, people might not even think of Paraguay, but now, you know, how many people have you touched through your music and telling about your country and, and how beautiful it is there and, you know, it wasn't worth like voted like one of the most peaceful, happy places in the world to live or, you know, um, but, well. <laughs> but just like the, you know, just to, to, to kind of dispel any kind of, you know, negativity yeah, or hatred people um, have. It's like any, any place in the world, you know, um, it's got its beautiful things and its difficult things. Right. You know, mm. um, I think Paraguayans take it a little lighter than some other places in the world. And so, if they're being uh, if they're being interviewed um, about how do they feel, they're gonna say, "Yeah, this is, yeah it's great. everything is relaxed here. We're fine." You know what I mean? They they've got a lot of their own issues that they need to resolve, and I think they're working hard to resolve a lot of their own issues, their own issues of corruption, and and so many so many of their own challenges as well. Um, but there, there, there is a, uh, they are heart people, you know, hmm. and I think that's what the heart relates to. It relates to the chakra of the heart, hmm. just like the Irish people. They're very hearty people. I mean, sure. out of all the Europeans, you know, gosh, the Irish can sure make music to touch your heart, hmm. you know, and they're just, they have that little quality. It's like a culture that has developed something, you know, uh, and the Paraguayans have that heart, heartness, too, you know, mm. uh, and they've got a lot of issues like we have here too, and ev everywhere in the world, we're all here to experience how we can um, get along better and how we can resolve some of our issues. You know, yeah. I mean, I think that's the the, the, the game of uh, of life. You know, um, it's just nice to be in that position of sharing what's the best in one place. You know, that's just a privilege. Mm -hmm. for me to have had that role as, a, as you said, as an ambassador, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. But 
think and I, that we can we can share that always you know hmm. that we can share that uh you know we are capable uh of making beauty and and, and generating harmony you yeah know? but thinking about you won't even know like how many lives you've touched especially of the 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 children that you in the schools that you've gone to you know mm-hmm. you'll never know how you've changed their lives for the better you know giving them more understanding of you know the world and their place in it so you know that's your your teaching is a huge gift too and then bringing the harp to them is is tremendous you know and I, i'm sure you feel that when you're otherwise you wouldn't be teaching and you wouldn't be working with these students, if you didn't feel that, that you were actually like, you had some sort of positive impact on them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just remember, you know, the last, the last uh, class I taught before the coronavirus cancellation of everything. Um, a little girl, after I finished telling the story, she says, that's the best story I've ever heard. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it just takes one of those little phrases. Mm-hmm. To uh, to pay you all that you're not getting paid materially. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it just completely says yes. You got to keep sharing. You got to keep sharing. You got to keep sharing. You know, regardless of how tiring it could be to be in a cram uh, subway in New York and having to walk several blocks, switching the heart from one arm mm. to the other. And sometimes having to run because you want to be there on time and blah, blah, you know, you know what it is. Sure, like, yeah. you know. Uh, and you know, New York is not the most uh, light place in the world no. you know, some, in Montana and the, the nature where somehow nature makes you feel like New York, you feel like there's a lot of weight in the air, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I get home, you know, it's like you'd sometimes collapse, you know, it's like, Oh my gosh, sometimes it takes an hour to get to a school, uh, you know, stuck in traffic. And, and sure. so there's a, there's a, uh, a side that's not easy in the, in this job. You know what I mean? Mm. There's a side that's a challenge, but the rewards are, are amazing. You know? Yeah. There's, there's, I think a world that's starving for this sort of back to the basics of, of, it could be making music together, um, back to the acoustic sound. There's a world that's starving for it. Everything is so available digitally for us now that all of a sudden the real thing is like, whoa, that's the real thing. Yeah, go back to the real thing, just the acoustic sound. Yeah. You know, uh, just the, the gathering around the, t- around the bonfire and mm-hmm. telling a story, a good story yep. in community. There's a hunger for that, that sense of, being together, but in this, in a, in a much more cozy way, you know, I, I think we've become a little too, uh, too loud, maybe mm-hmm. to bombarding, you know, type of happiness has to be bombarded into you. No, no, no. I think happiness has to come from within. And sometimes, you know, the gentle side of things, the yeah. gentle music in a way, uh, sparks, something incredible in people. Yeah. Um, when I was coming up for the name of the business I had started last year, um, I kept going through names and names, but when I came up with moon over the trees, I just had the image of people sitting around a campfire, you know, just sharing music together, sharing stories, you know, with the moon rising behind them and just communicating without 
you know, their phones in front of them or without, you know, having to worry about like the latest fashion or, you know, but just sitting there looking at each other, telling stories, playing music. And that's really like, that was the whole idea of like why I wanted to start this and do this. Cause I think that's, we need more of that. So, you know, and that's why I wanted to start the podcast so people could hear these stories, you know, your stories and, 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 and all these amazing people around the world and musicians and theater, you know, professionals and, and what they give and how they want to connect with each other. So I'm with you. I'm totally with you. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I like what you're doing. Thank you. Someone's got to do what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of, you know, what happens in the world too is that very few voices get chosen to be, to be aired or to be uh, uh, interviewed or to be seen in a more public way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of great little voices are kind of like hidden little gems, you know, just kind of strolling around the world. Yeah. And so it's nice that you're finding those people and, and sharing them, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I um, I really appreciate you, you know, just like just sharing with me and, and, discussing all these things with me you know I, I really appreciate it you know um and I know how much you care I'm and you know I, I don't know how anybody could not see how much you care you know even when listening to your music how much you you know how much heart you put into everything you do so you know so genuine and just so beautiful that you share that with everyone so thank you for that you know well, thank you yeah thank you Nicholas, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate all your time and your heart and the soul that you put into everything that you do. So um, where can people find you if they want to, you know, buy your music and your books? And Well, I have a, uh, my website is www.nicholascarter, Nicholas without an H, N-I-C-O-L-A-S, carter.com. And I mean, there's everything there, I guess, links to YouTube. If you want to see videos on YouTube, if you want to purchase music, uh, there's a section with music and there's links to Amazon. Um, um, yeah, you, you could purchase uh, music through all many of those. You could also purchase directly through me. I have a store. And if you want the CD, if you want to download the music, then you go to these other other places. But if you want to purchase my, the CDs itself, I've got them in my store. The book is also there. The music book, Melodias del Arpa, is also available in the store. So, yeah, that's the place to go. Excellent. And then you'll be teaching at the virtual um, Somerset Online as well. Virtual so. Somerset Online, yes. Yeah, perfect. The, and uh, I guess, you know, just to let people know, don't be afraid of the virtual world. Uh, a lot of people, it actually uh, can work. Um, I've been teaching Skype for years now for to a lot of people. And uh, uh, it's not the same as being in, in person, but it does work. You know, it does it just considering what the circumstances are today, you know, it's a good alternative and, uh, and it's a great way to keep in touch with people at, at, at a long distance, you know, yeah. just like what we're doing right now. We're talking, you know, we're not in the same place. You know? yeah, yeah. So. Thanks for listening to moon over the trees, music and theater productions podcast. Dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. 